Because for me, what's important in being a channel is being a blended being, being aware of my non-physical and physical aspects all at the same time, all whilst trying to be living a life that's just a living, breathing relationship with the divine. So a mystic is somebody that seeks direct experience and communion with the divine or with source. And I can't think of any better purpose in life. Hey, hey, welcome back. I'm Carl this is a podcast. It's not real, it's real. And I'm wondering how you're listening to this podcast. I mean, what are you doing? Are you one of those strange to me people that can just sit and listen to something without needing to move your body? Are you? Because I have to move my body or be doing something else. So I listen to podcasts while I'm driving, while I'm running. If I ever have to do housework or when I'm cooking. Well, actually, I tend to listen to TV programs when I'm cooking. But yeah, I have to be moving my body when I'm listening to something. I'm wondering about you. Or the other same. And today's podcast is all about answering the question, what is channeling? So when people ask me what I do for a living, sometimes I say, I'm a channel. And quite often, a lot of people look at me and say, what's that? Or when I'm talking with my peers and colleagues who are also channels of a different kind than I am, it's really interesting for me when I'm like, how does it work for you? What happens to you? Is it like this for you? So I'm going to be exploring what I mean by channeling, what my experiences have been as a channel, as a medium, as a tarot reader, as all these different things. I have a very specific journey that I want to share with you today because the basis and focus of this podcast is sharing direct experiences and stories, either my own or guests, and learning to trust those direct experiences over and above what's written in textbooks and with the written word. And also to encourage all of us to trust in the process of what lands as truth in our bodies and our senses and trusting that over what we normally call common sense, which is just how we commonly or the majority of us make sense of things. So we're finding our own way in a different way because we want to create a different world. So with that set up, let me dive in. So usually what we mean by channeling is that a person who is a channel goes into some kind of trance and allows a separate non-physical entity to use their body as a vehicle for communication. So, as in with me, it's mostly verbal, not always. I do do written channeling too. So it can be verbal, it can be singing, so light language is another way of channeling. People can channel sounds and tones. Usually we mean verbally, but not always. 
some people allow a separate entity to use their hands and come through in the written words. But usually we're talking about some kind of trance and it's mainly verbal communication, sometimes written communication. And the entity that is non-physical can be a collection of beings that were once physical and now are non-physical and have reached a certain stage of evolution and they've come back as some kind of teacher, guide or entity. So that's what kind of what I do. Kind of the ancients are more... The ancients say they are part of the original intention for physical reality. So they're really in earth energies and starseed energy. If I think of teacher entities, I think of Orin and Ben, Lazarus that's channeled by Jack Purcell, Seth, who was the big one in the 60s and 70s that kind of kicked a lot of this off, getting popular and well-known. Some people channel non-physical beings that say that they are aliens. And so there's Wendy Kennedy who channels the Palladians. And there's also Daryl Ank that channels what he's now calling his future self, which is a hybrid race. So that's broadly speaking what we mean when we talk about channeling. But I'm going to invite us to look at it a little bit of a different way today because I have friends who work with flower essences and they receive messages from the energetics of the flower. I can pick up messages from trees and stones and stone circles We can think of channeling as the ability to translate information that's available in the non-seen into our physical reality. So channels are like the bridge between the seen and the unseen. But there is for me a slight difference between being a channel and being something like a medium. And I just want to explore that a little bit. So remember, the basis of what we believe over here is that the physical is the illusion and it's the non-physical that's real. Go around thinking that physical reality is just so real. I've just got back from shopping in a local city and it was very real I was very much focused on tangible things and purchasing things and it never once entered my head that it's not real (laughs) it was very solid and that's how we think about it because we bump into it literally all of the time but the unseen is real we just don't see it hear it, smell it, taste it, and experience it in the same way that we do the solid stuff. Because our senses are primed to predominantly pick up on what is 
a very narrow part of the spectrum of all the different sensory information that's available. So I'm sure you've heard this before. You know, we don't, our human ears don't hear all the frequencies. We don't see all the light waves. We are very restricted in our day-to-day experience of our senses and what we can pick up with our senses. But that doesn't mean that if you can't see it, it don't exist. You can't see it do. So, so I wanted to say all of that up front because it's going to help you understand everything else that I'm saying. So as I'm talking, you just compare this to your own experience. Some of you will be well familiar with the territory that I'm about to traverse in terms of the psychic abilities and mediumship and maybe for some of you it's new or it's just an area of the woo that you've not really covered yet so let's compare experiences I'm gonna start sharing my own story in this area I definitely see channeling as being the end result and the next natural step of everything that's happened to me in this area of my life since I was 17. So I do actually remember being able to see beings in my cot. They, I called them my bubble friends and I just remember that they were giggling and laughing and they always felt kind and I have this very one this this one very specific memory and I have actually confirmed with my mum that I am remembering the cot in the right place the right colour the right texture there's details in this memory that she's confirmed I think we're all born connected I'm going to show you and demonstrate to you my belief through my journey that I agree with what Matthew Fox says which is we are all born mystics we just get conditioned out of it I don't think there's anything woo. (laughs) It's real, that's a shocker. But I don't think there's anything strange or odd or weird about what I've experienced. For me, it's been the most natural unfolding and I think it's available for everybody. I just don't think everybody's that curious about it. And other people have gone on to develop other skill sets in their life. For me, opening up these subtle Sensors, my ability to pick up on subtle sensors has just been a natural unfolding. So you've probably heard me say by now, I experienced significant trauma when I was a child. And so that led to me being quite hypervigilant. I couldn't trust what people said because they would say one thing and do another. So I always had to keep an eye open and an ear open for what wasn't said. And I've spoken to other friends that have had similar experiences to me and it is, you know, you get used to that more subtle realm because you're trying to pick up on emotions and somebody's mood and that's a step into the unseen. So maybe there are some of us that have just left this ability on from birth because we're in an environment where it felt safe to where it was encouraged or where we were encouraged to be curious in general anyway and then maybe some of us left it on out of a sense of survival and then maybe others just got really interested in something else 
and they were really interested in the solid stuff and just weren't really bothered because it was about being able to pick up on other people's thoughts or anything like that because it's just not useful in our Western culture. It's it's not taught because it's not used. It's not part of our normal way of living in the world. It has no benefit <laughs> to society on that grand scale. It's not seen as as beneficial as some of the other skill sets that are available to develop. So I kind of grew up with this ability to sense what other people were feeling the truth of what they were feeling but I didn't really act upon it I didn't really explore it that much I was too busy climbing up trees going out on my bike playing with my friends you know just doing usual stuff and then I also started noticing that it just like seemed like I got a lot of headaches or weird physical things weird physical pains weird emotions I was yeah just everything started to just feel a bit like overwhelming and then I went for a tarot reading when I was 17 I was studying at college and I went to see this woman called Mrs Kitchen in a very like working class area of northern England it was in the back of her kitchen and just that whole working class thing just really worked for me I just felt so at home and really comfortable and then she came through with messages from my adoptive grandfather that had died not long ago she knew his nickname she knew things that had gone on in my life she was telling me also I was just like oh my god this is amazing and then she was telling me that I was very spiritual that I could do tarot readings, that spirituality was going to be a huge part of my life. Spirit was going to be a huge, huge part of my life. And I'm just like, hmm, I don't know, quite like vodka at the minute, actually. It's about the only spirits that I'm interested in, apart from, you know, the obligatory teenage Ouija board moment. But I was so fascinated with the proof of life that she was giving me, that that was it, it was the start of the whole journey for me. And it just seemed to turn a switch on. And I went round as many different types of churches as I possibly could. This didn't all happen at once, but this this was just the start of a journey for me. I went to evangelist churches. I studied Buddhism for a while. I went on working retreats at Buddhist schools. I followed the teachings. Didn't quite land with their idea of suffering. And then finally landed in a spiritualist church where I was formally trained as a medium and that just made sense of everything that was happening with me. I suddenly knew that I was picking up other people's emotions, other people's physical pain, that I was sometimes hearing other people's thoughts. And here's where mediumship is different from channeling. This is how it starts to be different for me. So mediumship is very specifically geared towards proof of life that's what it's about it's about picking up messages from deceased loved ones people that have passed on they might come back as kind of guides and give general information and general guidance to family members and to somebody else but mostly it's about proof of life and it's beautiful 
it's really beautiful when you can tune in and pick up a very solid personality and convey that to somebody who's never met you then they're able to have that faith that that loved one's essence carries on that it never ends and that's just so beautiful and so comforting and some people are exceptionally gifted at it I was all right <laughs> it was kind of all right but it, I never was exceptionally gifted at it my speciality ended up being channeling but not mediumship however I only believe in things because I've had these direct experiences so one experience was I'm sure my ex-husband won't mind me telling you but my mother-in-law Love that woman to bits. She'd died and her husband was devastated. They were the kind of couple that were, you know, in the 70s still walking down the street holding hands. And I just oh, adored him. And he was just devastated. Just like he'd lost a piece of his own soul when she died. And there was some there were some concerns about finances around being able to pay for a funeral and we were just having this conversation about how that was all going to work out when i really felt my mother-in-law's energy come through that's the kind of language that mediums use i could feel a presence i knew it was her and i just thought oh no i don't i don't want this I don't want this. But she was very clear. She said, she used to call him daftest bugger in 10 towns. Tell him he's the daftest bugger in 10 towns. I have an insurance policy in the red box that's in the bedroom, the red tin box. And I remember saying to my my husband at the time, I've got this message from your mum and what if it's wrong? <laughs> and he said, you're just going to have to say it. So I told my father-in-law, and he never said a word, but he ran upstairs and came down with the insurance documents, and it was exactly where she said, you know, this is why I believe this stuff, and I've got plenty, plenty, plenty more stories than that. So my journey was really being aware of the more subtle aspects of life. So that's started off with the difference between what somebody says and what they're really feeling. And that developed into working with tarot readings, where I used to use those as a way of tapping into my intuition. And I played around with psychometry. I trained in mediumship. I trained very specifically in mediumship. And I trained and developed the skill of being able to see auras, hear and pick up messages from spirit, work out what was happening when I had just had sudden knowings, then I went on to training Reiki and that just expanded everything for me and opened up even more and so I was giving Reiki treatment sessions and I was being able to see things in the body that wasn't right and then ask the recipient for some clarity around that and then I could sometimes pick up the emotional aspects of a disease or the habitual patterns that were showing up in the body in that way. And I took a detour into counselling and then training in EFT and TAT and other energy psychologies. And then the next natural step was working with earth energies. And then that just opened up my ability to channel. 
And when I channel, I use everything that's come before that. That's the best way of explaining it. So as a medium, it was very much, there was an entity that was separate from me that had a solid personality, kind of stood in front of me that I could see. Sometimes they started to manifest physically and I would see their physical bodies starting to form, not fully form, but most of the time, it was just what would be called my third eye, but it's just a different way of seeing. Let me reframe that. It's not a different way of seeing, but it's seeing in a different way. You're seeing into realms that are here, but subtle. And that personality in front of you gives you a very specific message, sometimes with very specific words, but it's quite contained and I don't use all of my sensing abilities whereas with channeling I do so the kind of channeling that I do I'm starting to call it embodied channeling because it's just a full bodied experience and I think I can only be this channel because of the pathway that I've had so far so you know if you are a channel or you work in this way in somehow and you want to send in an audio clip I'd love to put that on a podcast episode and to share a different perspective or maybe you want to be a a guest on the podcast either way it's really good to hear these different ways of experiencing this one particular profession so this podcast is going on for a little longer already than i had planned i want to go over what's called the clair sensors and that for me is the extension of all of our physical senses and how we experience in our physical senses when they're extended into the subtle realm. They're not different, they're just more of what we already have. So when I was doing research, there are some different interpretations. So this is not absolutely the way, but this is what I'm gonna cover today. So it's worth repeating. I see it as the clear senses are just an extension of our physical senses. You know, sight, smell, hearing, taste, and then knowing, gut, sixth sense. We're just using those senses to pick up on the subtle realm. And people normally talk about having one of these senses as more dominant than the other. So somebody might be more seeing or more auditory or more knowing and I just think they're a preference. I don't think that we have necessarily one that's stronger than the other, we just have one that is more used and also trauma can shut down some senses. So we might just have a preference, we might have an avoidance of one area. So we know physical reality is dense And that's what we spend most of our time training our senses to see. When we open up to these subtle realms, we start to see different things that have always been there, but perhaps just not in our awareness. So, okay. So the most famous one is clairvoyance, which is a clear sense of vision. So they're the seers amongst us. So that could be remote viewing. 
I had an experience of this very early on in my Reiki training. I had a partner in crime. We did all sorts of like spiritual and psychics experiments on each other. We used to talk on the phone a lot. And one day I was talking to the phone and I just suddenly saw him naked and couldn't see all the details, but enough to know he was naked. And I said, will you please put some clothes on? I can see that you are naked. And he's like, how the hell did you know that? So that doesn't happen very often. I think it was just like a spontaneous thing. So I could see what I was capable of. Then there's the more famous remote viewing that's been used in the wars. If you're having vivid psychic dreams, you can see premonitions from the future or you can see dead relatives that come to you. You'd see things. So this one is all about seeing whether that's past, present or future, but you receive premonition or you experience things through images and pictures. And that's clairvoyance. Another seeing aspect could be if nature spirits want to get your attention. So when I'm in nature and nature spirits want to get my attention or earth energies want to get attention, then a tree might start to shimmer a bit differently, a different colour or take on a different hue. The next one is clairaudience, which means clear hearing. So that could be through words, sounds or music in your own voice. When I was channeling Aurora, I would hear their voice as almost like a singing voice. I could hear it as a collection of tones. And if you are a musician or a singer, then this probably is a really strong sense for you already or a public speaker. And this is where I think light language will come in or sound healing through using your voice. I think we're channeling something then. And one example I've had of, of where spirit is communicated to me through clear audiences through songs. And I think this is quite common. And I suddenly start hearing a song and I know it has a special meaning. So one, ugh, really kind of mundane uh, experience of this is I was a teenager I was going to see my boyfriend he'd been away for a while and I just heard the song Tainted Love <laughs> with just this sense of dread of knowing that something wasn't going to be going well and I heard the song on the way to meeting him and when I did he had this unusual proposition for me that just were like nah it's tainted I'm out of here and the song coming before that experience really helped me trust my gut because it could have kind of worked but kind of weren't for me so song is a really common experience for people so if you're new to all of this but you're just kind of like ha huh, I'm recognizing some of that well somebody's trying to knock on your psychic door the next one is clairsentience which means clear feeling so that is that we can feel other people or spirits emotions or their physical pain a lot of this is called being an empath and this is quite quite often linked with our gut feeling or we get the chills for no reason so we can be in tune with our own feelings quite a lot but also with other people's feelings and if you're a carer or a doctor or a therapist or a counsellor or a teacher then this is this could be 
your way in because it's probably already a predominantly you sense for you and this could be your way into a more psychic experience if you don't already. Then there's one that means clear smelling which is pronounced clairliance I think. I didn't know the name of this. So this is being able to pick up strong smells that don't have any kind of physical source. It's usually spirits perfume that they can be recognized by pipe or smoke, you know, cigar smoke. That again can be quite a common one. There's clairgustance, which means clear tasting. So that's the ability to taste something that's not actually there. And that again is more mediumship related. I can't say that I've ever experienced that, that one. Claircognience, which means clear knowing. So this is when you have knowledge of people or events that you would not normally have knowledge about. Sometimes that's spirit that's impressing us with the truth. Sometimes it's that we're picking up on a collective field. So let me give you an example of this. I was going through a separation and I was waiting to find out when the person was moving out and I'd been away. And as soon as I came into... I think looking at it, it was the energy field of our town. I knew they decided that day and I knew when they were going to move. And then I got that confirmed when I got home. So that's an example. This is the one that takes a lot of faith because there's just this is there's just no evidence. And this is the ones that you tend to hear in famous stories or stories on the news it's like I just knew not to get on the airplane and then there was a crash or something so when have you just known something I I think a lot if not all of us have experienced this one so there are more but they're the dominant ones so can you see that they're just like an extension of how we normally experience the world we're just tuning into that subtle non-physical aspect of the world so how does this go back to channeling then? So we've already established that we are probably all able to tune into this subtle realm. We're just not practiced at it. That it's just an extension of everything that we already have. There is nothing special about the fact that I've been able to do all these different things over the years. I very specifically trained in some of them and some of them just happened and some of them happened in spite of me actually wanting them to happen. But once I opened these sensors, it all flooded in and I had to make decisions and energetic boundaries and refine choices of what I was going to open myself up to and what I wasn't. Sometimes I can feel something coming around me when I'm talking to somebody else and I intentionally close down an aspect of these extra senses so that I don't pick anything up so channeling was just the next natural step from that but channeling for me came in and in response to a big question that I had about life and the universe and why I was experiencing all this bliss and beauty in meditation and in the non-physical realms and working with the angelic field and I had so many friends who were gifted in this area and we could not make our lives work. <laughs> and I would just like, what the hell is going on? I need some answers. And so not long after that, 
some of you know the story. I did this big casting of a circle, but that's for another time. But after I'd set that clear intention and asked that very strong question on behalf, I wanted to know for me, I wanted to know on behalf of my friends, and I really wanted to know on behalf of humanity. It's like, spirit, sort yourself out and tell us what we're doing. We need a postcard, mate, because this is not working. So it was a very strong desire and a very strong ask from me. And then not long after that is when I started channeling. So one of the differences with channeling from mediumship is that channeling tends to be in relationship with entities, beings or guides that are in touch with a higher aspect of their own wisdom and that they come back and they help us. So it's not just it's not just about proof of life. It's about a way of life. Channeling for me is a way of life. Channeling tends to be focused on spiritual growth, spiritual wisdom and soul purpose and looking for meaning and satisfaction in life. Like the big questions, why am I here? What is life all about? And how do I make my life work? You know, how do I experience more joy and satisfaction, meaning and communication and connection? That tends to be what people come for readings for rather than with tarot readings the reason I stopped it is because people were saying when am I going to meet my boyfriend when am I going to get the good job there's nothing wrong with that but there's just not enough in there for me so channeling was a natural extension and it's a natural extension that uses all of my senses which is why I say it feels more like an embodied experience because I allow another being to share my space in my body, in my energy being, but I use all of those senses that I've told you about, some of them more than others, but every part of me is open and alive when I'm in that channeling space. And then it becomes a way of life. And then we go back right to the beginning where I think I was born being able to see and what Matthew Fox talks about being a mystic. Because for me, what's important in being a channel is being a blended being, being aware of my non-physical and physical aspects all at the same time, all whilst trying to be living a life that's just a living, breathing relationship with the divine. So a mystic is somebody that seeks direct experience and communion with the divine or with source. And I can't think of any better purpose in life than building a relationship with source energy and experiencing that bliss of oneness that I've experienced multiple times over the years. But to experience that as a way of life, <laughs> for me, there's no other goal. I don't, I know that sounds really kind of grand, but for me, it's just my next steps in my evolution and I think it's just my next steps in my relationship to being in communion and connection with the unseen it's the greatest gift of channeling being a mystic and living in that way and having that as my ultimate purpose so there we are that's what channeling means to me channeling means to me that whole journey of expanding into our senses in the way that is at its 
fullest expression. And I think when we are aware of the physical and the non-physical, that's when we are in our fullest expression. And then my heart path is my relationship with source energy. That's it. That's my first relationship. For other people, it'd be something else. And that's all good and fine. I don't know what another person's path is and nobody else knows what mine is and only you know what yours is. So, has that expanded your thoughts about yourself and how you can experience life? I'd be interested to know. Enjoy your direct experiences. Trust them over anything else. You can evaluate later. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. And if you'd like to experience a channeled consultation from the other side and talk to the ancients or whoever else might want to come through for you, then you can find out how to do that and sign up at carawild.com. That's C-A-R-A-W-I-L-D-E dot com.